Boston Artists and Designers Podcast. I'm Calden. And I'm John. And today we have a special guest, Lori DeVault. Welcome, Lori. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be joining you. Thank yeah, you. Happy to have you here. <laughs> As I interrupt Calder. <laughs> no worries. Um, so tell us a little about you. Introduce yourselves to us and our guests. Okay. Uh, my name is Lori DeVault, as you said. I'm a contemporary abstract painter. I live in Western Massachusetts in Amherst. I'm a native of California. Um, I've been painting since I retired from teaching. So not for that long, maybe six, seven years after a long career as a teacher. Very cool. What did you teach? I taught young children, mostly kindergarten and first grade. So I taught all, all subjects, you know, math, science, art, uh, reading. I also taught uh, at the University of Massachusetts science methods to uh, future teachers. Oh, very nice. cool. Yeah. Nice. Now, um, you said that you um, are natively from California. When did you come to Massachusetts? In around uh, the mid-1980s, I got hired to teach on Martha's Vineyard. Oh, so wow. I lived there for a few years and, and taught kindergarten in Oak Bluffs. Oh, that's awesome. That's nice. And then I moved up to Amherst to get my graduate degree. And then you decided to stay here. I did. Well, one thing led to another. You know, you have a baby, you buy a house, you get a husband. Mm. Pretty soon you can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a preference yeah. on New England or California? You know, um, in some ways, yes. At first, it was a novelty to live here because the beautiful winters, um, mm. but the novelty wore off. Um, <laughs> the winters, yes. I, didn't, I didn't realize the winters would last so long and would be so, so cold and mm -hmm. sometimes as hard mm -hmm. as a teacher, <laughs> having the kids yeah. inside or being outside and all their mittens and boots and everything. <laughs> um, and I miss Mexican food um, in California. So, oh, and yeah. I miss the ocean and the coast. There's nothing like it, really. It's just so yeah, beautiful there. Uh, and I, I do go back very often. I drove back this summer and last summer. And um, it's just, they're experiencing so many problems, you know, yes, overcrowding, yeah. a drought, fires. So I do think about living there, but it's very expensive. Um, also true. Yeah. I mean, what I could get for my house, I could, I might get a little shack in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. So I'm sort of in both worlds. I would like to move away from colder weather. I just don't know where. Hmm. yeah That's it's it's choice. hard to it's hard to choose like if you were to move to anywhere else it's like i was i was thinking about it, like if i was to move to any city or area in the u.s it's it's like it seems like everywhere is so expensive mm -hmm. you know finding that right place to settle down for and stay and be happy mm -hmm. with either the weather or the economy mm -hmm. of it it's, it's a tough choice the politics uh, yes. right the the cost of housing and you know the hurricanes the you know there's there seems to be issues just about every place. So I'm just leaving it open. You know, we'll see in about a year. Maybe I'll make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, I kind of got to know a little bit about this reading your bio, which was super extensive and super cool. <laughs> uh, but for our audience who don't know who you are, did you always know that you wanted to be a painter? Or what, what got your start into paint or art? Right. Um, I did not always know I wanted to be a painter as far as a career. That was never really a question. I always have drawn and painted since I was quite small. 
I don't know if you saw a picture on my website. I'm three mm -hmm. years old and I'm standing next to a very quite a sophisticated drawing. I'm very proud <laughs> and serious. And so I was always drawing, always doodling. I knew I always wanted to do art, not as a career. I think I picked up pretty early that that was, if you're going to earn a living, that's really pretty tough, like with acting or pro basketball or anything, you know, it's just, it's hard to make it. I think I figured that out. The other thing is um, I was called to teach uh, really when I was a teenager, I knew I wanted to teach young children and that would, that's a very um, secure job. You have a secure paycheck, you have benefits, you have summers off. So it's always nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, and I always knew I could do art sort of in the background and also teaching was very creative. Um, so it wasn't until I retired, like I said, that certain things happened, which I can share later, that brought me to where I am now. From what I saw from your bio, when you were a younger uh, child, it said that you, well, you said that um, your parents moved around a lot um, or you traveled a lot, if I was correct on that. Yeah. A couple of things I think really influenced, you know, we all are influenced by our parents and our family environment. All of us are. And I feel really lucky in some ways. Um, I didn't feel lucky at the time that television was not allowed. <laughs> um, it was later that I appreciated it. My parents were very well educated, you know, professor, father, um, but they just believed that we should have our own resources. We should develop our own inner resources. My brother and my sister and I, so we played games. We, um, I built doll furniture, I sewed, I painted, I drew. I wrote wow. chapter books when I was 10 and illustrated them. And I think, and my brother did science experiments. He was always blowing things up. <laughs> and I think that really, that really made us who we are today, but really is evident in all of our lives as adults. Uh, as far as traveling, um, we were able to travel in the summer because my stepfather had time off. And also before my mom was remarried, um, we, she took us to live in Mexico. So I lived in Mexico when I was three and when I was five. Wow, and I know cool. that that influenced me too, um, in many ways. Um, yeah. And also the way they supported my, my art, they saw something in me and they really supported it. Mom took me to museums and galleries. We had art books, um, in the house. Uh, what else? She, she was just recalling. She's, I still have her. She's 99. And she was re wow. recalling that, um, she remembers rolling out butcher paper across the floor. And just having us all just draw and write. We made our own greeting cards, own wrapping paper. And then when I was 10, she drove me every week up to this woman's house in the hills of Pasadena. And I would just play with paint and glue and tissue paper and ink. And it wasn't a class. I wasn't taught skills. I was just given opportunities. It was just a wonderful experience. Yeah. It's right. so great to have parents that you know, yeah. see something that you are passionate it about is. and then help influence you yes. and continue that was, passion. Yeah, I was very yeah. lucky in that way. It's interesting. Yeah. As you say, like whether or not, you know, talking to different artists that we have hearing about their parents or their upbringing and how that influences their art and how they shaped it. It's interesting every time being a little bit different or whether or not that those parents like how much do they like support or how much do they not support? And if that actually influences mm -hmm. where you are today. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I yeah. think you had a man whose parents did not want him to go in into the art world or um, um, was it architecture? I'm trying to think, you know, more. Oh, creative. I, I think it was maybe an engineer. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. They, it was uh, Thomas they, Masuda. They, yes. Then they, you know, very strict, you know, his Japanese American upbringing. And, and um, I was, my parents, well, I'm sure if I wanted to be a career as an artist, they might've said something. I wanted to be a teacher. And so what was to argue about that? My parents were fine with that. Um, they thought, and I, I did want to be a children's book writer and illustrator. I did, and a filmmaker. I did have a lot of things, but I was mainly focused on teaching children. Yeah. So that's a good segue into um, what your education was like to become a teacher. What path did you take? Okay. So, well, first I'd like to mention that when um, I yeah. went off to junior high in Pasadena in seventh grade, all of a sudden I was no longer the good artist, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was surrounded. It was a big pool. Mm -hmm. Did you go through that? Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. I think, I think everyone has at some point and it's so, yeah. It's jarring. <laughs> it was, I, I it was sort of sad. I retreated. I never took an art class again. I lost my confidence. And it's also, mm. it's also um, the hormones. I'm 13, all the confidence <laughs> issues that come up. Yeah. I was also distracted because it was boys and the Beatles came out and oh. it was, you know, there was a lot going on and I never took another art class till college. So I went off to Humboldt state, um, which was this groovy hip little college and, you know, back to nature and everybody chill and you, you can guess what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I had my own house when I was 19, never lived on campus. Wow. And my huh. parents were fine with that, set, set me all up in a house. I had roommates. And to be an elementary school teacher, to get credentialed back then, you had to pick a major. So I, I started off English, and then I realized, let's do art. And right. I should also mention I already was doing a lot of photography. My mother became a photographer when I was in my teens. So we had our own dark room. I did uh -huh. my own developing, my own printing. So I was already a photographer, very comfortable with that. And I still love photography with a passion. So I went off to college and that was my main thing was uh, photography. So one way or another, it, even when you said that, you know, like you shied away from like one aspect of art because of, uh, I don't know, maybe comparing to others or whatnot or focusing on something else. It, it still didn't leave you because, you know, photography is also an art. So it's like, you really just couldn't get away from it. You know, it's just a part of you. Right. And, you know, I don't I didn't come across anybody in seventh grade who was doing photography. And all those years after anybody, it was better than than my I was always pretty confident with my photography. I had an eye, a special right. eye. It was the painting, the painting and the drawing. That's where I retreated. That's where I saw other artists that I thought were better than I um but yeah but i always in my private life at home i was always drawing and doodling i look at my old school notes and notebooks um, we traveled to europe when i was 13 well i turned 13 in greece and my notebooks are just filled with drawings of all the greek gods and statues and cartoons and oh, cool. <laughs> i have them all <laughs> so i was always drawing <laughs> just not in public uh, so would you say you have a specific name for your uh, style of art or a, a general aesthetic? Not really, uh, just contemporary abstract. Um, you know, people do ask me, how would I describe my art or is I a special style or a theme? And I really don't. Um, many people do have certain styles, very specific themes mm -hmm. and a, a really consistent style, consistent body of work. I'm sort of all over the place up to a point. I mean, you're not gonna find watercolors of oceans or, you know, I'm. I am acrylic, on canvas, abstract. Some people say whimsical. 
but it's not too whimsical. It's not cute. <laughs> there are some elements that can be sort of, there's a, every once in a while a chicken or a cat will appear. Yeah, you can stay. I'll make it comfortable for you. You know, if you've seen the, my art, it varies. It's different colors. I layer, there's textures, little bits of detail and mark making. Sometimes though, there's a lot of space with nothing, just places to rest the eye. Mm -hmm. I do have to think of all the elements of, of art and design and um, where the eye goes. And But I really don't like to label. I don't like to tell people what to think or what to view. I don't like to title my paintings. However, I do because it's an expectation, mm. but um, I don't like to give anything away. I like people to make their own conclusions, have their own feelings about what they see. And right. I love hearing what people see. Although sometimes I can't unsee it. Like when one friend <laughs> saw a naked man's butt <laughs> and ever since then, that's all I see. I've never yeah. forgiven her for that. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> yeah, I, and I know from looking at your work, at least some of the things that gravitated us to reaching out to you was how much I loved your use of, for one, uh, color um, and how you're able to play with color, um, you know, and really the way that you use it. Like, and you were talking about even like sometimes having the simplest of things just for the eye to rest on, like your, I think it's your painting, like from a distance you know, the, most of the color is on like mm -hmm. the upper corners of it where there's mm -hmm. more of whites in the middle, but mm -hmm. even with that cloudiness effect to it, mm -hmm. you know, it really, it, it really hammers home the way that you use the color in composition with the mm -hmm. space. But also I'd have to say, you know, like a lot of, I know for me, I gravitated also a lot of towards your, um, like you had, a, I, at least I'm calling it geometric, wise mm -hmm. uh some of the lines uh line using that you would use yes. to come across very dramatic uh, like in the uh, space station um yes. for example mm -hmm. like yeah. you i can tell out the moon almost in there from mm -hmm. what i could see mm -hmm. but also some of that really geometric uh, geometric lines and still that color mm -hmm. very prominent coming forward that's so cool to hear that i love i love hearing how people uh what people see and what they notice and what they appreciate and some of it is accidental some of it is very intentional but shapes do tend to appear unbidden um, on my canvas. And I do notice that I'm very often bringing them out, the squares, the rectangles. Yep. Um, and I do try to um, do some little contrasting shapes. I might do more organic curved shapes in there. And I try to do repetitive shapes. But I don't follow any one rule or one recipe. But I do like that, what you said about from a distance. Um, which there is a very soft area where the eye can rest. And I notice sometimes with paintings, it's chaos everywhere and there's <laughs> nowhere for the eye to go. And it's almost like a fabric or a pattern or wrapping paper. And right. I think it has a place and some of my work is like that, but I do try to have a place where the eye can travel and linger and maybe take a break. Exactly. And I think that's definitely one of the benefits of, as you, as you said, you're, you're more of a contemporary abstract um, artist, you know, when it, I think that's the, one of the good things about being an artist like that is that room to play and explore and not have to worry about the labeling of it. Whereas uh, if someone was like, you know, make me a David statue and have it exactly. look just like have a human, you know, there's so much restriction behind that. And exactly. then also pre-assumption <laughs> of what a human is supposed to look like, mm -hmm. you know, you got uh, it. You, you know, know? <laughs> exactly. It's it is the word is freedom. 
Yes. If I had to do a beautiful still life like many gifted artists can, and they blow me away when I see the lighting or the little drop of water on something. I, I can't do that. I mean, maybe if I worked for years, I could, but why should I when so many people are already doing it? And that's not what I'm called for. It's very much like um, improv- improvisational jazz, creative hmm. dance, uh, just, you know, making things up on the spot. Uh, it's very much like that's very, f- there's still rules, but they're more intuitive. Um, so if I had to worry about shadow and lighting and perspective and proportion and getting the dog just right and the horse head just right and the person's eyes and the house and, you know, to have it make sense where the sun is and the tree shadow is, Mm -hmm. I don't think it would be fun. It would be hard for me. Um, Yeah. I'm just going to play, just keep on playing at this stage in my life. I've had a long career. I've raised a son. (laughs) It's time for me to just, to just play and do what I want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. no worries on it. <laughs> now, actually with that, when you start a piece, like what is the process? Um, like when you're, yeah, when you, what is the process for that when you're starting a piece or thinking about it, going into it? When I first started picking up the paintbrush again a few years ago, that was, was more of a problem. I, I don't I don't get intimidated by a blank canvas like a writer might staring at a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that and I'm a writer too. So sometimes I've seen that, but the canvas is not an intimidation. It's an invitation. It's exciting. When I see a blank canvas, it's like I'm almost drooling. I can't wait to splash paint on it, but sometimes I'm always not sure how to start. So I've done a few things. Um, sometimes I'll just, do something totally different. Like I just, I'll paint the whole canvas red and then I'll add, take a black paintbrush or um, palette knife and start adding. And then it emerges and I listen to it and I follow its lead. It's a dance back and forth. But one thing I did learn, I will share, and this could Mm -hmm. be useful if uh, other people are looking for other ideas and how to start an abstract painting. There's an artist online, her name is Karen Hale. And she's so generous. She just sets up a camera and paints. And she's been doing this for years. And a few years ago, I started to watch her. And she has a very common way of starting. She starts with a black pal- black paint, a palette knife, or a ruler, sometimes a charcoal pencil. And she makes a very quick, like a gesture drawing, or very right. quick shapes and just strokes. And that's her beginning. It's like laying down the structure, the bones. And from there, you build. And that's what I do. I often will do that. So if I have a go-to method, that's it. I use black paint, um, lay down some some shapes, some strokes, splatters, whatever, with a palette knife or wide paintbrush. And then from there, I add color, even when it's still wet, so the black blends into it. And you'll notice, if you, if you look at a lot of my paintings, you might see a little bit of that left, a little bit of black line, um, often it disappears. <laughs> what I end up with doesn't resemble what I started, you know? Um, so that's, that's how I, that's how I often do start. And that's a very comforting routine, but I don't like right. to stick to it. And then I keep layering, adding colors, the beauty of acrylics. They're very forgiving. You can wipe them off. You can cover them up. You can layer them. Some of the colors are transparent, Beautiful. So for beautiful toning, if you notice some of my colors look radiant, very almost yep. like they're glowing. Yeah, that's from like using a special some special colors. 
and I just okay. like a, a special uh, yellow I might put over a magenta or yeah, I just have, have learned how to make the colors pop. Nice. Now, actually, I know for me, sometimes, uh, whether it's a, can't, I haven't painted it a long time, um, but also like I've done charcoal work. Um, and sometimes for me, it's not always the beginning that I'll get stuck on. But for me, actually, it'll be sometimes in the middle. Is there like ever a point like in the middle of a piece where you'd oh, be yeah. like, uh oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you go into my studio, you might find like 12 or 15 uh oh paintings. <laughs> I, I abandon them. I feel like I'm stuck. I'm no longer feeling it. Yeah. I'm overworking it. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm getting detached or fatigued. And that's when you, you should stop. <laughs> that's when I should stop. And I put it aside. Sometimes six months will go by. I'll forget about it. And I'm pulling, right now I'm pulling paintings off my shelf and I go, oh my God, I forgot all about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like it. Hey, so it's, it's new and I go back to it. And that's been some of my most successful paintings. There's one that's um, called Nightfall. You can see it on my website. It's already been sold, but you, it's there. And that's because it, I, I pulled it out. I just couldn't go anywhere with it in the middle. Do you, do you eventually go back, John? Do you go back and find? Sometimes, uh, sometimes I do. After a break. Uh, yeah, I, I've definitely noticed sometimes it's the break that you need to have. Yeah. Uh, especially because sometimes it's like you'll get so caught up in the after a while, it's like an almost like a bottleneck kind of narrow mm -hmm. thought while looking mm -hmm. at it because you've just been looking at it for so long. Mm -hmm. So taking a step away from it, I would say exactly. definitely helps. Yeah, refreshes it. How, the, um, exactly. how the brain works like that because it does that with a lot of things. Uh, like if you come across a challenge in, in everyday life or a video game or something and then you're like, okay, I can't do this right now. You go to bed, you spend right. a few months away from it and you, your brain is still playing over and over mm -hmm. trying to battle it subconsciously. Somewhere in the background. And yeah, then you come back and you're ready. Yeah, or even just an argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a book. I mean, I guess anything. You just take a break and refresh, recharge. And I'm really finding that that's really helpful. I'm, I'm revisiting a lot of artwork right now, um, sort of to honor them and, and all the canvases I've bought. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I don't want to be too flighty going, you know, flickering from painting to painting. It depends on my mood. Sometimes I'm not in the mood to, to work in that color palette or that yeah. small scale. Um, but I don't like to give up too much too soon. Otherwise, I'm not being a really serious artist. I feel if I, my studio is full of incomplete paintings, that would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, what's going on here? We need to look at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my goal right now is to just finish, finish paintings. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about jazz on a winter's night. Do you ever listen to music or anything when oh, you're painting? Yeah. I just sold that. I just shipped it yesterday. Oh, nice. Congratulations. <laughs> California. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it does influence my paintings. Um, um, I am, I do listen to stories on tape because I love novels and I, sometimes though it's a distraction, but mm -hmm. sometimes I have even the TV on, which some, an artist usually would never confess, but I know you do it. You artists out there <laughs> um, uh, might have the news on, but then I find it's distracting. Yep. Sometimes um, I'll get upset, but sometimes I can bring that into my art. Now I'm very rarely influenced, like I said, from outside influences or my environment, but a couple times I have been influenced by what I'm listening to while I paint. Um, I've gotten really wild with some loud rock and roll music. Um, 
on some other paintings and I was dancing around like a big canvas is good for that. I dance around my canvas, I throw paint on. Uh, you, you're too young to remember this, but Tiananmen Square years ago, mm. China, right? Um, I was teaching on Martha's Vineyard and this is the only time I painted with a group. We had a little group of teachers and we were painting on paper, uh, acrylic paint and Tiananmen Square was happening. And I was so upset, I started throwing paint, red paint yep. on paper, black and white painting with red paint splattered on it. And then a couple of years ago, there was a massacre in, in Pittsburgh, the synagogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, and my painting, um, In Darkness There Is Hope, reflected my feelings at that time. I was pretty despondent. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, I haven't been too influenced, but music can influence me. Usually I'm very internal. I'm not really influenced, but definitely music. And yeah, jazz, sure. Blues, yeah. rock, um, whatever I'm in the mood for. But I notice it does come through in my paintings sometimes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's really hard not to, you know, not to have those outside influences, you know, come in. We're, Do you we're have human. That? Do you oh, have yeah. That? You oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they actually, the only thing is, uh, for me, well, depending on what kind of art I'm doing or work, uh, sometimes it can't have lyrics or words mm -hmm. in it. Exactly. Uh, cause then I'll just be thinking about, or trying to focus on that. So if I'm usually, if I'm, if, depending on what the work is, sometimes it, it just can't have words in it. So yeah, that's about right. the only thing. Right. I, I would be okay with words as a painter when I'm writing or composing something with words, then I no, I can't have anything. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Definitely not writing. <laughs> Definitely not writing. Some people can. They can tune it out. I don't get that. I'll start typing down what they're saying. If I, <laughs> if it, I've had that happen, even in, in school, someone like that classic thing of you're writing or typing something down and your friend is right next to you and they say something and all of a sudden you write it and didn't realize and, it. And send it to the teacher and it says, hey, what's up, dude, or whatever. And yeah. okay, you're in trouble. Yep, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I will say is that um, if, depending on the artwork that I'm doing, I will just make sure, I guess, depending on what the mood is that I'm trying to feel, I uh, will just make sure that it's maybe it's a playlist that is focused towards that mood. Um, mm -hmm. That way I'm not getting an influence of, let's say if I'm doing a moody, dark painting, but then all of a sudden some bright and colorful uplifting jazz comes on and I'm like oh okay this is great but now I'm putting a lot of poppy colors in this so you want to yeah. feed what you're doing yeah, yeah. right Influence. exactly mm -hmm. so you mentioned you have a few paintings that you've started and stopped and you come back to um do you have any pieces that you're working on currently that you've just started recently I'm right now finishing up a few paintings I'm I grew up in this little town in Southern California called Sierra Madre that no one's heard of. It's in LA County. Um, it's in the foothills. It's uh, right by the mountains. And there's now an art gallery there, an abstract art gallery. And I'm so excited. I was just there in September and I showed them my work. They loved it. They took me. So I'm sending, they're having, I'm a featured artist for February. So Nice. I'm finishing up about four paintings. I'm thinking they might take, they ha we haven't decided which paintings. Okay. Um, I'm sharing the gallery with another artist or two. So I can't have like eight paintings. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the ones I'm, 
I'm working on right now is getting those done. So not only do I have to finish the painting, I also have to prep it. I have to paint the sides and varnish, put a wire mm -hmm. on for hanging. There's a lot involved. And then there's all the packaging. That's, yeah, art a lot handling. of people don't realize all the work that goes in to producing art, selling art, transporting art. <laughs> That's a lot. So um, those are the ones I'm finishing right now that I think would be good for this exhibit. Uh, they might we might decide to come up with some other ones. Once that's done and I've shipped the paintings next week, then um, there's some paintings I've just found on my shelf that are very similar, three large paintings that are very architectural. I keep, I don't know if you notice, a lot of my paintings start to look rather architectural, like yeah. especially early on, all these villages kept appearing. It's like, hmm. where do those come from? Maybe my early days in, in Mexico, I, I don't, I just, I'm channeling. Some villages. subliminal, some subliminal <laughs> thoughts coming through. Maybe. So um, a lot of villages, a lot of buildings. Um, and I have these three big paintings that have buildings and bridges and they're very abstract, but you can definitely see uh, what they sort of are. So I think hmm. that will be my next step is to work on those. And I have a lot of other ideas. There's so many things I want to try. I have to force myself to rein it in because I want to do everything. I'm going to learn welding and I want to do <laughs> mobiles. And yeah. That's the common <laughs> thing of, that's the common thing of artists I've noticed. Yeah. All artists, we, we want to do yeah. like 50 things. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it, when you mentioned architectural, um, mm -hmm. I'm named after Alexander Calder. I was sculpture. wondering. <laughs> yeah, both and, my and parents are artists. The, and, so. Your he likes to like brag this. about it. I wanted to ask no, you that, but I thought that's really trite. It's like asking the really tall guy if he plays basketball. I don't know. I just didn't <laughs> yeah. want to go there. So that's wonderful. Um, one of our family friends that I grew up with was um, one of the inventors of kinetic art. And, and, um, and I associate, of course, that with with Alexander Calder. That's a wonderful man to be named after. And Absolutely. I didn't he live in New England? He lived in Connecticut actually for a little yes, while. Thought, um, yeah, I remember But the reason pictures. I brought it up is because the, the architecture and the colors that you have in some of your pieces are, they remind me of, of his work. Um, I can't name any in particular, oh, wow. but some of the large red, I think he names them after dinosaurs or like rhinoceros, but I can see some of them in your, huh, in your paintings really? in an interesting oh, way. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll have to, yeah, let me, when you come up with some of those specific ones, I'd like to see that. Absolutely. It's hard to know what was in, you know, I think one of you read one of my blogs or newsletters, what influences our art? It's hard yep. to tell sometimes, you know, how do we know? I, I know that I was influenced by Paul Clay because my, my parents just adored him and I had his art around. And, but just because he was in the house doesn't mean I would love him I was drawn to him because something inside of me was already there right to be drawn mm -hmm. to Paul Clay and also I don't know have you found that your tastes change over the years Do you absolutely, still like the same absolutely. Artist? yeah I still like the same artists uh like I look back on them with fondness I don't just be like it's almost like a, a movie that you've seen too many times but you still uh -huh. love you know, yeah. it's just time to watch something else for a moment. I kind of see it as like creating a library. You know, you read a new book and you add it to your shelf. You're, oh, I found okay. a new artist. You add it to your shelf. You have to come back to that artist once in a while. Um, I, I but I also to... feel like, you know, the artists we grow up with and our parents' tastes will always be there in a way. Right. Same with the music, the records my yeah. parents played. I know just um, it's like, you know, you bond with them in, in a way. Um, but I was going to say... Um, 
I used to be more into the romantic paintings, the Maxfield Parrish, uh, the Beardsley, uh, Beardsley's work, uh, Renoir, Monet, still admire them. Yep. I, my admiration has not decreased, but I don't want them on my walls like I used to. Hmm. You know, I now uh, yeah. I like more edgy stuff. I, um, I'm, it's different now as I've matured or whatever I've, whatever has been happening to me. Um, <laughs> I, I've gone much more abstracty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting hearing. I didn't think about like, like you said, like taking certain of their, if you have some of their painting paintings, like taking it off their wall, because it, even that influences you on your, on your, your daily. It, it brings me back to not just even artists, but even like the aesthetic of like, colors from those artists or the you know what they have to bring to the table their style you know uh Calder and I keep going back and forth as in the conversation of how color uh, just reminds me of how color can be something that you get stuck to for a little while and influence mm -hmm. you uh mm -hmm. same thing with artists and style or architecture mm -hmm. or a certain mm -hmm. dress or whatever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah it's fascinating and this spills over into all aspects of our lives you know, taste in food or decor, or everything, you know, it, we're all so different, you know, there's, you know, there's some places I could never live in or some, some living rooms that are decorated in such a way that, you know, I, 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 I seem cold, you know, or yeah, uncharming or, you know, we're all so different. And, and I think it's great. We're all so different. Otherwise, wouldn't that be boring? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, one thing I'd like to circle back to real quick before mm -hmm. moving forward, uh, you were talking about um, some of your work in uh, uh, recent gallery wise. How do you get your work into galleries? Do you reach out to them or do they reach out to you? Is it a little bit of both? Um, if you're talking about me specifically, I might have a different answer. If you're talking about what people should do to get into galleries, <laughs> I have to, I can explain you know, expand that a little bit um, because I've been just really lucky with timing. Right. <clears throat> I'll, um, so, okay. So what I did in 2015, I happened to be in Mendocino where we have a family home in Northern California. And I happened to be in the gallery with my little portfolio of paintings. And I just, you shouldn't do cold calling where you, I want to show you my work, you know, un unannounced, you should make appointments and, yep. and all that. But I, I had it discreetly sort of under my arm and had a casual conversation. There were no other people um, there in the gallery. And she said, Oh, let me see that. Let me see your work. And I was coming through it. And, you know, within hours I was in and wow. they've been selling my work now since 2015. So that, that was timing and a little bit of chutzpah, you know, I, you know so you have to have that. The other time I was in Provincetown, you know, yep. which is a great art community, Absolutely. one of the best, most established galleries there. I just happened to be in town for another gallery, little show over the weekend, had paintings in the back of my van, researched, you got to do research, find the gallery that has the work compatible to what you're doing, mm -hmm. check their submission guidelines and honor mm -hmm. them. And I did that. I wrote them. I said, I'm just in town for one more day. I saw your work. I have some paintings. They said, oh, come on by. On my way out of town, I stopped by. The guy came to the back of my van, pulled paintings out of my, the back of my van, brought him into the gallery. And I did very well there for a few years. Wow. And uh, I'm no longer with them, but might return in the future. We'll see. Um, cool. The other one, it was in Canyon Road, the, you know, like the third major art um, city, 
yeah. place in the country, right? Kenya Road, Santa Fe. Just happened to bond with this gallery director. We just hit it off. Um, I One of her signs fell down and I was in the bushes helping her. And I, she just really liked me and she wasn't able to take me. Her gallery was small. But I noticed one day they moved to a new gallery. I signed up for their email. So you got to stay in touch with these galleries. I subscribed yeah. to their, their email newsletter. So oh, okay. they moved to a huge gallery. I wrote to them. One thing led to another. They sold 20 of my paintings the wow. first year. 20. Wow. I was oh their top God. seller. Uh, they changed directions and then then things changed, COVID and so forth. But so right now I'm all mostly just in this one main gallery and the other one in Southern California. And I'd like to be in maybe one more gallery. I don't want to get too overextended because mm -hmm. if it's a commitment. Oh yeah, I'd imagine. You have to produce, you have to have inventory. You have, to, if they sell six of your paintings, you have to have six more ready. Yeah, and if wow. another gallery wants six more and another gallery wants six more, you need to come up with 18 paintings. That happened to me. And that was the only time in this whole journey I felt like it was work. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I had to produce like 12 or 18 paintings. That sounds like some stress. Yeah, it was, oh my gosh. Because so far it was fun. Yeah. And to be forced to paint is not what I do. And that's right. a risk. If you want to be a, a career take be, um, have art as a career you might be forced to do work that you're that doesn't bring you joy but it'll mm -hmm. bring you money right <laughs> might be designing yeah. kleenex boxes you know yeah it, yeah this balance of uh sometimes you have to kind of sacrifice the things that you want to do freely and lovingly in order to sure. make a little bit of dough and then go yeah. back into finally have the free time again yeah you know? i'm sure you you probably are dealing with that Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You and your young careers. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I avoided the stress of needing to earn money from my art. I gotcha. just avoided it by being a teacher. And I was just very fortunate because I was meant to be a teacher. It was very natural for decades. So, and now that I'm free and I don't have to worry about money, I wasn't, I'm not doing it to sell. It's just a bonus. One of the advantages of selling is it frees up space. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, you know, it, I didn't really want to sell my paintings. They were my babies. I didn't want to let them go. I mean, I would like cry and kiss oh, them. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> like you, a painting that you just really like and you have to get rid of it. Oh, yeah. I would take pictures and I can always have a print. Um, one of my clients in California has 12 of my paintings wow. and I have visitation rights. So <laughs> That's nice. I, yeah. So I've been there twice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, visited that's a fan. <laughs> it is. I'm very honored. Um, but so the advantage is, yeah, the money does come in handy, but also what it is, is the joy that it brings others. I hadn't realized that until I started getting comments. Um, my favorite comment, and I think it's um, somewhere, I, I think it's in my last newsletter. Yeah. If you look, it says on Instagram, somebody said, your paintings make me want to live again. Oh, that's nice. Wow. I mean, that's that, definitely uplifting. Oh my gosh. If I have helped somebody want to live, what's better than that? That's incredible. <laughs> that's, that's how you know you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really paint for others. And when I do paint for others, it's in my mind like a commission. I'm not very good at it. It, it stifles me. Hmm. If I happen to paint freely and then what I produce means something to somebody. That's nice. I like that. 
I love that you're painting with freedom because John and I are both industrial designers and, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking back to my creative process when I was little, it was just, you know, put something on on paper or or build something Mm -hmm. just because. And Mm -hmm. industrial design is so process-based and all about your constraints. It's, Mm -hmm. It's hard for me now to create art freely. It's just such a yeah. Oh, so it carries over into your free time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it does. Yeah. Oh. Um, my my thought process. Don't mean to interrupt you there, Calder. You just got me no excited to thinking of like <laughs> no. Oh, excited is not the right word. Uh, but yeah, like I used to. I agree with Calder. I used to when I was younger draw more freely, but now it's to the point where even if it's my fine artwork, regardless if it's fine art, art or even music that I do, it turns into a project not just a hobby and then that project is building towards something like I'll, i'm going to use this to show this off on either instagram or spotify and that's going to help me with this step of maybe getting a job here or these people over here are going to notice you know it's a it's not a sense of freedom it's just a sense of project for the next step wow. I wonder if you could have like a separate space in your house, a room that's different color, you have different <laughs> sounds. It's a whole that. other life. It's like stepping into your a parallel life and um, you can go in there and you tune everything else out. You become a whole different being <laughs> and then you free yourself. I don't know, have, you know, have, do some prep of various kinds, get a massage, whatever. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. You just gave me that's a good idea. Yeah, because just, yeah. if you go into that same space, that's your workspace. And, and I know it has to be, you have all your tools and whatever you use, but right. take your computer or whatever it is and go to a totally different place that's surrounded with bright purple flowers or sitar, sitar <laughs> music, I, whatever works, whatever works. <laughs> I wonder, because that's, I feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, no, I didn't mean to bum you out. Actually, you just actually you just helped me because you just gave me a, a huge epiphany like moment because I have a studio room attached to sort of like a separate bedroom, but it's kind of attached to my bedroom. So it's two rooms, but it's the same paintings, uh, like the walls are the same color. The same curtains are the same color. It's got the same vibe and aesthetic. And now I'm just like, as soon as you said that, I was like, do I? Do I paint my walls? Oh my god! <laughs> so, yeah. or just, or just a little, cor- or yeah, something. I put a curtain up, you know. So you right. Have one, one space is your free space where you totally let go. It might take a while. Um, I uh, anyway, I can circle back at some point to what freed me a few years ago to paint again because it's yeah. sort of connected with what we're talking about. Yeah, but, go for it. But anyway, I totally relate. To, if I have to think about an outcome, a, um, a product versus process. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects me. Now, not everybody's like that. Some people, they, especially the ones who do realistic work and still lifes or whatever, or they have a vision or a motive or a, a, a client waiting for a painting that's, I could maybe do a painting that's this size and this palette. But after that, mm, it's really hard. But so yeah. what happened to me? Um, I was retired and wondering what, you know, I was, really tempted to get back into my painting. Have you heard of Kripalu? It's a retreat in the Berkshires. No. Um, it's a basically a yoga retreat. There's a lot of meditation and there's cooking classes. And it's been there huh. for many years. Um, it's right next to Tanglewood. Yeah. So I took this workshop that was run by an organization called the Painting Experience. They're based in California in the Bay Area. And they travel around the country and they offer these 
usually five days workshops. And what happens is you're not taught. There's no skills, no lessons. You're just, it's just like when I was 10 years old, you're given the materials, the space and the freedom. That's it. And they set us up in a yoga, stu a, a yoga studio. There must've been maybe 12 of us for five days. And we just paint all day long. And the facilitator, he just walked around. His name is Stuart Cubley. He walked around. He looked, he might talk to you. You're not allowed to make any comments on anyone's paintings, including complimenting. Because mm -hmm. as soon as you compliment someone, what happens? You know, that all of a sudden they get attached to that. Right. Oh, they really like that I did that. Oh, they like it. So I better not change it. Or, hey, they like that painting, but he walked by me and didn't say anything. What's wrong with my painting? All this stuff starts going on about judgment and self-doubt and comparison. So you're not allowed to compliment or comment. Uh, and then we would sit together on the floor afterwards and just talk about our process. He might walk around and say, what's going on here? How are you feeling? Um, and the best thing he ever said to me, because I was stuck and I was afraid to paint. I had this big piece of paper right in front of me and a whole table of colors of little cups of paint. And I was just afraid. And he said, Lori, how can you make it worse? <laughs> and that was yeah. the best best thing anyone said to me in other words Truth. take the leap mess it up he wasn't saying like it's so bad how can you ever make it worse that wasn't what he, he meant go for it make it worse and it freed me when i got home after that five days of painting and we would sneak into the yoga studio like three of us at night when no one was looking everybody was asleep at the retreat we snuck in and we painted till midnight we were oh, wow. so high on painting. It was so exciting. <laughs> I, I got back. I got paints. I set up a studio in my basement, this little teeny corner, and yep. I just started painting. And that's what freed me. So anybody who wants to get back into painting, they're not sure, check out painting experience. You can do it online too, I guess. Like that sounds really nice. Stuff. Yeah, he, they're great. It was very freeing for me because I was inhibited. And then I didn't want anybody to see me where I didn't want to share my paintings or show them, but eventually things started happening and I started to show in group shows, just little paintings and it grew. It sort of took right. on a life of its own. I think That's I'd actually have a little bit of a tough time at first, like, you know, like going into that. Cause as you said, there's no critique essentially. So going in, I'd paint something and I'd be like, and then the teacher or the guy would look at it and I'd be like, you're going to give me a critique. Like, what do you, what do you think here? Mm -hmm. I say something, anything. <laughs> but there's yeah. a time and a place. In art school. Sure. Right. Yeah. There's a time and a place for critique. And I think there are people who definitely could benefit from it, but you also have to follow your own journey, your own heart. Um, I was told by one artist that I should never use white ever because mm. white is a hungry color. It gobbles up the other colors. And I think there was a basis for what she was saying, and it could be true in some paintings, but there's some wonderful paintings with white. <laughs> right. Uh, true. And, you know, there's all these different rules and rules are made to be broken, I think, in the art and music world. And we wouldn't have a lot of the amazing art we have, I mean, even going back to Manet and, you know, I mean, they were all rule, rule breakers, right? And scandalous. Absolutely. And, exactly. Um, we, we need to be courageous and... Um, but open too, if you, you know, there might be some, some comments, if you trust the person, I have taken workshops 
a couple private workshops. I've, I've looked at some online videos, I've taken some online painting classes, just a few, just to get some techniques. There weren't any critiques, but it was like, yeah, that, that texture, that medium, that's okay, that'll work. You know, some, some, I can always, there's so much to learn. I'm always learning. I'm always going online and learning and vis, uh, visiting artist friends and seeing how they do this and that. And, um, it's a wonderful art community. I think we're very generous, I think, in general as artists. Yeah, absolutely. We share ideas and it's a very loving community, I find. If it wasn't for my fellow artists, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. That is definitely agree with that of the, you know, having the fellow artists to be able to lift you up at times when you're not even really sure of yourself, you know, that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I'm curious if you have any other hobbies. I mean, I, I know painting has taken up a lot of your time. I don't know if you consider it a hobby anymore, if it's now your career, but um, what other hobbies might you have? Yeah, it's probably neither a career or a hobby. My painting is just something I have to do, an itch that must be scratched, a passion. <laughs> yeah. I might be cursed with too many interests. Um, I, oh, there's ditto. so many things I love to do and I want to do. I travel since I'm retired. Well, even when I was teaching, I have summers off. So I've always been a traveler. It's like my family. We always traveled. I like camping, kayaking, snorkeling. I still do photography. Uh, I love to cook. I love to dance. I love music. I have like 300 playlists. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I do all kinds of dancing and music and cooking. I love to read many, many books. More, I have stacks of books and magazines I haven't finished. Um, painting does take up a lot of time. As does life. I like to hike, be outdoors, um, many, many things. <laughs> Seems like a lot of artists have many passions that they would like to step mm -hmm. into and yes. quite not have the time for it, but mm -hmm. eventually you got to make the time, you know? Yeah. It's uh, having these 50 different things or a hundred different things with all of us uh, artists, designers seem to have and common I've noticed. Uh, and also, you know, I'm seeing also a common thread. I mean, I assume it looks like you've been, you've been doing it pretty well. Uh, unless you say otherwise, uh, but I've also noticed a common theme of a hundred things that we all want to do an organization if we just organize it right, it'll all come together. But we have to focus on those couple of things and, you know, organize those. But yeah. It is important to pick out, yeah, um, a few things, as they say, uh, you know, master of none, right? So it, right. Is, it is good. I mean, dabbling, exploring, I'm all for that. And as long as it's not hurting you or not getting in the way of your goals, go for it, you know, to take the welding class and the petite right. class and sew and uh, fabric arts and make jewelry or throw pots, do it all. Yeah. Why not? But if you have a certain something, a certain goal to earn money or get into shows or um, eventually, you know. Uh, you might want to focus on a couple of things. And then when you get to that one thing, then you have to work on that craft and that can exactly. take years, right? If once you exactly. decide on pottery or whatever, stain Well, glass. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think when it comes to that, yeah, definitely not being afraid to try different things because it ultimately it's only going to better it. Even if you have one thing that you do in, in life that you're perfect at, or it's just your main goal, all these different things that you're trying, you can be able to pick up little things of like techniques wise that you could essentially incorporate into your main line of work. If you have a main line of work, um, you know, it's only going to help you in the long run with your main stuff that you're doing. Um, I, one of my mentor figures who 
really opened up my thought processing when it comes to right now, I'm looking for jobs. Um, and it's about not finding the job itself, but applying and learning the different skills that you want to learn. That way you're becoming a whole person that you want to be. And that essentially it mm. doesn't really matter what the job is. You are who you are mm. and the skills have made you who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Although I think it might matter the job that you do. You do also oh, yes. want who, who you are to be honored. We oh, absolutely. Do, but there are certain jobs where it's not as important as others. And it's fine. I mean, a lot of people can just show in some ways. My teaching took up so much time, for example. I loved it, but it was a night. I would be there till eight o'clock at night. I go in on weekends. Um, there would be no room for any other art. I was going to, but it would have right. been easier but not as satisfying for me to show up at a job where you punch in and you mm. punch out. And when, when you walk out of that place, you're totally free. There's no homework, no, no um, report cards to write, uh, no, you know, science center to set up or no parent conference or whatever. You're free. Yeah. I could have, I could have probably written more books or created more art, but then I would have been probably not very satisfied. Now some people don't care. Some people are absolutely fine showing up and just doing a, an office job or whatever. I shouldn't say just because all jobs have value, mm-hmm. but some people are, they don't need anything more or they just accept it or they're so satisfied with other aspects of their lives. It doesn't really matter. It's a job and they're okay with that. And they probably feel very lucky to have one. Absolutely. We are lucky when we get a job. So I would, I would say, John, uh, I like what everything you said, but if you can hold on to a job where you can use your skills and be who you are, where they can really honor you, it might take a while to get there, you know, true, because so, you're still young, I think. <laughs> true. I'm uh, still young and, you know, still very much learning. Yeah. You can be more selective. I, I was gonna, the more experience and more skills you get, the more selective because people are going to want you more and more and you can be more selective. Where you exactly. Go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, transitioning over to where can we find more of your work? Okay. Um, my body of work, my paintings are all on my website. So it's lauriedevault.com. Very easy. And you'll see my complete body of work, all my paintings. Also, if people are interested, all my newsletters are there. And there's a lot of... Um, thoughts in there about my process and not all of it is just oh there's a show next week it's I do a lot of thinking a lot of reflecting I love to write I also have some blogs on there about my process how uh, creating art can um, help me develop can help one develop as a person and yeah. actual like almost like psychologically and emotionally spiritually um, the things that you confront as an artist when you're painting for example um, can be beneficial uh, and I and this, I have some humor blogs. I don't know if you read my, <laughs> my funny story about trying to ship paintings, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want a good laugh. And some other things. Uh, and also you can see what paintings are available and what paintings are sold. Uh, the little red dots, little red circles means the painting has been sold. However, the other site is called Fine Art America. Do you know about that? No. So fineartamerica.com and their sister company, Pixels. that is where artists and photographers can put their work 
that people can um, access and order prints, not the originals. I don't think so. At least my originals. I don't sell my originals. Yeah. Prints, greeting cards, um, even tote bags, coffee mugs. You know, um, sometimes it's too much. I don't want to get my art on too many things. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not proud. Um, if, if Van Gogh and Klimt can be on scarves and mugs, so can I. <laughs> and so people can go there and get prints, cards, whatever. And a lot of, and I sometimes will buy those things for, as gifts or marketing, you know, like I'll send, um, you know, a calendar or a, um, a coffee mug or something as a thank you to a client. Or, right. So what other sites? Uh, Facebook. I have a Facebook page, but people are going more to Instagram now. I have quite a few followers on Instagram. It's not that it makes a lot of money, but at least it gets me out there. And it's like a community of really artists. They're not just collectors and galleries. Um, oh, but to go back to the galleries have approached me from Instagram. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, some I've been interested in and some not so much, but I've gotten a, um, some really interesting work through Instagram. Um, so people can find me on Instagram. It's just my name again, Laurie DeVault. And same with Fine Art America. It's just put in my name and you'll go to my page. Um, and you'll see some photography there in Fine Art America. However, okay. I also have a photography website. I don't do photography anymore as a profession. I was right. doing that a little bit when I retired. But everybody got smartphones with cameras. Mm -hmm. They're all taking pictures of their kids or their babies, their families, their weddings. A lot of people feel they don't need a professional photographer anymore. They do their own printing, their own photo books now online. And it's a whole other world too, all the digital work and Photoshop and so forth. Yep. I just sort of let it go. I will always still take pictures, you know, of friends and family and so forth. And I have, have my Nikon and tripod and all that. But um, anyway, just to keep my photos online for people to view, you go to a loving eye photography.com a loving eye photography and that's hosted by Zenfolio so if you go there you'll see a various galleries of my photographs oh okay a lot of mostly it's mostly portraits yeah i think that's basically it and then if you want to see my work in person if you're in amherst you can come visit me um, or if you're in northern california you can go to the highlight gallery and so that's basically it for now. Nice. Excellent. What do you think you'll have going in the future? You know, that's a really good question. I think for now I'll just stick to one or two galleries, keep painting when I want. I love my freedom. I like to travel. I want to figure out where to move to next. So maybe in a year, year and a half, I'll, I'll be somewhere else. But I'm going to keep painting. I do want to produce some videos. So have the filmmaker in me come out. Mm -hmm. I do want to make some videos of people that keep asking me to produce videos of me talking about my work or me painting. I've been reluctant to do that. Other people do that. And, but I do need to start doing that. You know, like a reel on Instagram or yeah. um, I'm taking an art business course right now. And they, and one of the, re the homework assignments is to produce a little video where I'm talking about my work. Uh, also, one of our assignments is to produce an actual art book, actually publish oh, wow. an art book. Wow. So I'm now, right now, 
that's the next step to answer your question. I have to look at that research, uh, self-publishing, um, getting, you know, sort of a retrospective. I don't know if I should say that since I'm hopefully still alive and well, but you know, just my, my artwork that would include my bio, that longer bio, by the way, isn't a typical bio. That was one of the homework assignments. Oh, <laughs> uh, gotcha. I had to do a three page bio. Um, and yeah, there's a lot and there's a lot of homework that he gives us. So it's been great. <laughs> anyway, so that's the future. Keep painting, produce an art book and sell it and uh, produce some little videos. Nice. I'll be busy. <laughs> <laughs> you shared a lot of great wisdom with us, uh, but I'm curious, what advice might you have for anyone in a similar path as yours? I don't know if anyone will have a similar path. It's, it's, well, it's interesting because my path is um, starting to paint when I'm in my 60s <laughs> or 50s, 50s, 60s. So a lot of people that are listening might be younger starting out. So either choose a career that you love that'll get you money so you have that security and then paint when you want to or, or whatever you do, uh, pottery, whatever. If you really want to do it as a career, then just do your research, you know, really make sure that um, you're comfortable with what's expected of you. Keep working on your, on your craft. You have to be brave and put yourself out there. You have to um, do your research, talk to other people in your field, look at what you like, what you want to do. Do you want to teach art? That's what a lot of people do. They end up teaching art because it's still art. It's still not doing your own art, but at least you're immersed in the art world in, in many ways. Mm. And, and stimulating students um, and um, inspiring them to love art, hopefully, and appreciate art. And that's very satisfying. So uh, what else? Um, if you're just starting off, a critique group is good. Some, you have to, some basic classes, you know, and what you're doing could be good, could be helpful. Get feedback from others. See what artists you love and talk to them. Um, if you want to get into a gallery, see what other galleries are looking for. Um, there's just, fortunately, there's a lot online right now, classes, advice, um, this art business class I'm taking, I can tell you is, um, called art business Academy. And the teacher is an art gallery owner in, um, Scottsdale, Arizona. He has a gallery called the Xanadu gallery. His name is Jason and the workshop is well worth the money. Um, I've been doing it for about a year and I've learned a lot. He's, he's a great advocate for artists and um, he has every two weeks, he has a half hour video and then homework. And that's been very, and there's other people too, who teach um, art classes and some of them have worked for me and some of them haven't. So there's a lot out there, a lot of material. You just have to stick with it. Be, not give up, follow your own heart. Um, See what brings you joy, but be willing to get honest feedback too. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking with you, Lori. Thank you so much for coming. This on. has been fun. Yes. Thank you so much. It's an honor and um, I just really appreciate it. And I wish you well. I think it's great what you're doing. Thank and you. I Thank will you. do my best to promote you and you. The, the bad podcast that this is. <laughs> <laughs> You can reach us on our Instagram at bad underscore media underscore and our email bad.bossonmedia at gmail.com.
You are listening to the Boston Artists and Designers Podcast, created to provide insight to all kinds of creative minds by sharing the work and experiences of our peers and discussing what inspires and drives them. The goal is to create a platform for collaboration, networking, discussion, and education. Bad Podcast is created and hosted by Calder McKay and John Chevrette. Music by Tom Abbott. John and I are just getting started and hope to get better over time and with your feedback. Thanks again for listening.